He's been fifth. He's been third 14 years ago. He was in second place. But today, 2024, well, put your hands together for Reverend Ford, for Reverend Shape, Mark O'Brien, the 2024 Powerball Mount Morning Champion. Uh, using a cycle layer around uh, what looked like a uh, rock Hello to everybody and welcome to the world's best cycling podcast of domestics. Yes, Matilda and I running the show again because Mike's had a mechanical and he's uh, punctured and he's off the back and he's gone. We're not waiting because we have got a cracking episode today. We've got three people who all did the Melbourne to Warrnambool race on the weekend, but we have got the men's winner here, which we'll get to very soon, Mark, Mark O'Brien. Uh, but thank you, because the podcast is powered by Black Sheep, Ords Manette, and Honan Insurance Brokers. And before I go any further, I must welcome my co-host, Matilda Reynolds. Hi, Hollywood, and congratulations. Well done. What a podcast, the Warnie Special. And what yes, a privilege definitely. to uh, have our special guest, Mr. January, now, now early Feb. Yeah, look out, guys. Yeah, now I've moved into Feb. It's a whole new uh, era for me. I, I just don't think there's been, a, and this is honest, a more popular winner. Like, because you're just so well-liked by everyone far and wide. And um, oh, when I crossed the line 17 minutes behind you, when I heard you won, I was just so honestly so happy. I thought, oh, I didn't know your story that you'd done it 13 times and finished second, third, fourth, and fifth. And just to hear that after you won, like, wow, what a deserving winner. Yeah, way, way more deserving than Nath ever was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> his was two flukes, two flukes. That's yeah. why you're trying to justify. You don't have to go back, yeah, back again, that's right, Marco. That's right. No, don't be silly. I'll Marco, be back. before you break down how you won the race and um, how it was from the inside, did you ever, because you've had so many times at the race, did you ever think, like, that's it? Like, oh, I just don't really want to do the warning or, like, what kept you turning up to that race and then particularly turning up as an individual throughout like a couple of um, editions as well. Yeah, I guess it, um, I was saying in the interview after the race, it's uh, my coach, Tim Decker, my original coach, Tim Decker, he just loved the race. I think he won on his 13th time. I think he had a, a near miss running second to Hilton Clark early days as well. And I, I had that sort of thing where I think I rolled up 2006, my first ever Warney. Fresh, I was first uh, year under 23. Will Walker had won it two years before me as the first year under 23, and I was sure I was going to keep following Will's path, you know, like, yeah, everything Will does in two years' time, I'm going to do it. So I rolled up there. I'm like, yeah, I'll win the Warnie. I just come off Sun Tour, <laughs> rolled in, being like, yep, this is it. Just going to go in and smash everyone. And uh, right, riding quite confident early on and stepping out and wasting energy. And I remember I got to about 150K in, and it's when big Rob McLaughlin won it. Um, they're putting it down the gutter and I've just got pumped out the back so hard and I got to the 200k feet I couldn't even pedal and I had to pull out um, <laughs> and then um, didn't return to the Warney for uh, a few years tried my luck overseas race I was with Drapak there for a bit and then with a little French team and then I come back in uh, 2010 
hadn't done NRS for a couple of years and uh, it was the most horrible day. Blockhead wind, big crossies as well, hailstorm. It took us eight hours and um, yeah, I rode away there um, solo from camper down. I thought, oh, yep, go along. I'm like, they must just be leaving me out here to cook it. So I decided to wait for the two guys chasing me, which was um, Reese Pollock and um, Tom Robertson and uh, thought, oh, yeah, I'll just get rid of them as I get towards the end. And, you know, this blockhead, when I started hitting Reese about 15K out, he started just following me everywhere and just pummeled me in the sprint at the end. Like, bugger. Oh, well, I guess I'll just have to come back <laughs> next year and win the warning. And just assume that it'll just be a, a sure thing after that tills where I was just like, yeah, it'll it'll happen in the next year, maybe two years. And then, yeah, it just kept on. <laughs> Had uh, many times where I thought, yep, this is it. I'm going to ride away here and get it. And um remember when Ollie Kent sparked, same thing. I was away solo and got chased back towards the end. And Ollie got back up with um, Alex Edmondson. And uh, then um, he won the sprint. So then I was like, all right, come back again. It just kept happening over and over where – I'd be like, I've got the legs to win this. I feel strong enough. I feel stronger than the guys I'm with. And then, um, uh, yeah, just one, it just never worked out. So then um, I think the last proper crack was uh, when Trekkie won. I'd gone solo in the last uh, K. And then my pal who was staying with me at the time, Ben Perry, the Canadian. Um, That's right. He thought, he, oh, you jump across quickly. He towed uh, Trekkie and Freeberg back up and I ran, <laughs> ran there, there. So um, I was like, that's it. No issues. I'd... Uh, Given it my best, I had given, yeah, thought like the warning wasn't going to happen. This year I wasn't going to race at all because I was meant to be driving across to Adelaide Thursday, Friday. Um, like I'd like to have done it, but then um, it didn't quite work with my wife's work schedule. So then I'm like, all right, we'll go over. Um, I saw the weather was going to be really nice anyway. But as we're getting close, I was like, oh, geez, it'd be good to do it anyway. Like it'll still be fun. Um, like she's only going to miss me on holidays for one day and my parents are there to help out. So I was like, ah, We'll just, give, we'll just give it a dip. I hadn't done any long, long rides. Like I think longest ride I did was probably four and a half hours or something like that. Um, but been doing been doing uh, a lot of Ks my entire life there, Hollywood. So um, oh, <laughs> never yeah. never took any real real breaks or anything. And yeah, so just the worked out just the last minute decided to enter about an hour before entries closed. Try to work out a solution with um, sending Cat and Sebastian, my son, over for. Um, the, the trip and then I'll just drive straight after the race and meet them trying to say, Oh, it'd be way better flying than uh, driving eight hours anyway. Like it'd be great for you guys. And then, um, yeah, obviously got in the race and things sort of fell my way. Was it, was your preparation different this year to previous years? I wasn't prepping for it, mate. I, I trained for nationals. Wow. I felt that, um, at nationals, I felt amazing. Obviously didn't go when, um, clap and harps went away, but then in the race behind, I felt sort of as strong as anyone there racing for third, but, uh, it's a very common theme where I often finish a race and go, I felt like I was, you know, one of the strongest or the strongest there. And uh, just because I'm so slow getting away, I'm a great target to be to be followed as then I'll commit and tow people around and they'll pummel me in the sprint at the end. So then, um, yeah, it didn't quite work out nationals where I thought maybe I'd have the legs to finish third. Um, obviously, I wasn't going to be with Harps and Plappy because they took the piss really. But um, I think in that race behind, I certainly was feeling really, really good. Um, so I think just all the work that I did internationals um and did by far the best best ever numbers i've done there as well and um uh yeah i think just having a headwind on the climb wasn't the greatest for me trying to get away because i'm quite slow when i attack but um then uh just the i always keep training and uh ticking it over doing hell ride with you um going to the club crits and that was basically the intensity i was doing except for a couple of strava hunts and um then just ride my bikes i like doing it so um there was certainly no specific prep or anything i did into this season it was more just a guess years and years of perseverance and uh 
just riding because I like riding um, and try to do long Ks whenever I can. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing specific that's different this year to any other year, I think. Did you think during it that it wasn't going to be your year? Because I know we spoke a couple of times during the race when it was sort of the start was hard, then it was really easy until it wasn't. I remember saying to you, oh, this is really easy. It's really easy until it won't be. And then I remember you saying, and you attacked once, and as soon as you moved, they just went. You are like the Pied Piper. As soon as you moved, they all went. And then you come back and you're next to me. And then do you think, oh, this just isn't going to be your day. It's going to come down to a big bunch sprint? Uh, I was yeah, adamant that it wouldn't be really. Um, as uh, yeah, we we're having a chat about it early on. I was sort of having a look. I'm like, it's way too easy and fast. So I didn't even bother following any moves. Usually I'd be jumping around, wasting energy. But I was like, I was watching uh, Fergus Browning, and Fergie was obviously mm. feeling good and doing some real big uh, flexes out there. But you just see, no, he wasn't getting anywhere really, and the teams would just shut him down. So I was like, well, until there's a a mix of cash, ARA, bridge lane. Um, there's no point even looking at it because one of those teams would chase. And then I think particularly if I was there as well, a lot wouldn't work with me. So I was like, I'm just, I uh, had sort of got frustrated because we we're going so slow. And I was like, I've still got a seven hour drive after this. Um, so I was more annoyed about that. And as I said to you, I was like, well, at least if we can ride faster this bunch sprint. But um, I was, uh, yeah, yeah, at the time I wasn't thinking, oh, this is great, except for the fact that um, those the bigger teams missed it and therefore they would work, which then would get me into the end game of the race. And it's often my favourite 50 or 60K of the year. It always has been since that uh, time in 2010 when I got second because guys just fall apart and often in a, a standard race, I'll be attacking and I'm a pretty easy wheel to mark because I don't have a huge acceleration. But I always love the fact that in the last part of the Warnie or Grafton, my, you know, 600-watt attacks or whatever they are, like they're really hurting guys, whereas... Uh, Normally, it'd just be guys responding in the saddle. So um, I was still looking forward to that end game. But, um, yeah, when we were chatting, I was like, well, at least it's a nice day because um, mm. like taking the sunshine and uh, worry about it. But I thought it'd be too easy, and it wasn't till they went. Uh, Bridgelane let it off on that Tim, Be- Tim Boone climb. Yeah, thanks, um, Bridgelane. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's when uh, yeah, I lost <laughs> contact with you, Hollywood. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, they were letting it off full speed there, and I was just sitting in on the wheel and uh, cruising along and thinking, I was looking at guys swaying left and right and a couple of guys losing the wheel. And um, I was like, geez, like, why not? These guys are hurt. And I looked down and we're doing, you know, 460, 470 watts. And I was like, oh, oh I must be on a pretty good one here. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, like, Nick White was coming back um, like a lead yeah, sinker right. from the break. And I've given him the hand of God and put the hand on the back and got him back up to speed. And I was like, well, but I'm still doing that when Bridgelane are letting it off on the front of the uh, the race. I must be feeling pretty good. But, um, yeah, I still didn't really think at that point that it was necessarily going to be my day. I thought it would still be too tricky to get away. But, um, like, after that, obviously, the race was on and it was nonstop attacks from that point on. And, um, yeah, I guess as we got deeper and deeper in, I was looking at everyone else's responses and how they were looking and thinking, I actually think that I've got most guys covered here, but I've, I've said that you know, 100 times in my life yeah. before, and I reckon I've probably had results on those days twice. <laughs> so it's uh, did you Did you worry, though, that you – because you hadn't because you had prepped for the Warnie specifically, did you worry you might you might yourself collapse in the last sort of 50Ks because you hadn't done those long endurance rides that you talked about earlier? No, nah, no, nah, I've done enough right. in my life. As long, I think as long as you're eating and uh, drinking throughout, I think that's something that I've had since I was, you know, 15 years old. It was always a – joking junior sort of thing that, you know, don't let Mark O'Brien go because he'll keep dieseling all day. 
Um, yeah, so I think this has always been one of my strongest suits anyway. It's just real hard days. I'll just keep dieseling at the same sort of speed. My top end doesn't really change as hard races go on. Um, yeah, so I was pretty confident I'd be fine from that point of view, but I still didn't want to be too wasteful or show too much because then you become a, a clear target for guys to follow and guys don't particularly want to, to ride with you. So I was still trying to do my best to bluff until Peterborough um, where the, we went back up on the Great Ocean Road and then from there started having a bit more of a look to, to split the race, I suppose. What, did your wife watch it? Did Kat watch it? Did she, how did she know you won? My dad uh, watches a lot of the racing and uh, often knows how races pan out for me and he had already given a big declaration that the race was far too easy and that I was going to be too marked and it wasn't worth watching. Um, so Kat had, gone <laughs> off, um, yeah, so Kat had gone off shopping with uh, my mum and sister um, for the day oh, because um, he was like, oh, well, I don't want to sit around and waste my day if it's going to be – Mark's going to be disappointed and uh, – drive across and be be sulking and moping around. So um, they were actually in the supermarket and uh, our friend um, uh, Isabel, she called Kat and said, are you watching the race? She's like, no, no, no. I'm like, why should I? Like, Mark's going to win. So then they end up watching oh, wow. uh, on a phone the last three or four K on a phone at the uh, at the supermarket together while uh, so dad good. was still uh, tucked up in front of a, a TV at home watching the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, I, I spoke with, uh, and Tills, you'll be like this, I'm sure you know as well. I spoke to Karen Jones after the race and she said all this stuff about this three-year contract she had <laughs> and this is her last year is all rubbish. She said she'll be doing it next year. Powercore, who's been a great sponsor of the race for many years, they've committed to for another three years. So that's a big thanks to Powercore. The state Government has committed to another three years of funding. So it's definitely for another three years. Karen's still keen to do it. So it definitely wasn't the last one. So to everyone, it will be back again next year. Geez, you are, I use that as one of my excuses to get it over the line, mate. So yeah. <laughs> so did I, Marco. I got, Marco, I got an entire women's team to enter the women's race yeah. knowing that this could be the very last one. So yeah, yeah. Hollywood, don't, don't spoil it. Everyone will forget by the end of the year and I'll start the the la- I think this is the last grafting though, isn't it? I oh, did I'm get told that. I did get, I'm not doing grafting, mind you. That's way above my pay scale, my yeah. ability scale. But I heard grafting, this is the last grafting. But I don't know it's if that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, Marco, I think I think what's just so inspiring by your win and just, you know, and, you know, I asked before how you kept turning up, but, like, every time someone finishes the warning, you just go, nah, that'll do me. Like, that's, you know, unless you've won, that'll, that'll do me for a year. But it, I think what's amazing is just how it played out for you. And obviously, you know, Bridge Lane and ARA, they didn't have anyone in the break. And then so they had to be as you said in your post-race interview, they were scrambling a little bit to then have to bring back that break and and using guys to be doing that. And then, unfortunately for Bridge Lane and and obviously for ARA, ARA that um, Declan Trias is it who yeah, came yeah. down in the feed zone, and that was their key rider. So then ARA weren't chasing, and Bridge Lane had to fully commit on their own to bring that back. And you know, and it's. Yeah, so there's still, you know, there's only so much you can do in the race. There's so much else that just has to play your way a little bit, which is what, you know, it's why the Warnie is just such a loved race because it's never won the same way. It rarely has a similar winner. Um, But, yeah, and I just love that those last little rollers that you won on at the end, after 270K, they feel like a really big hill. I'm sure not to you but to your competitors. Like, they're such a small roller and – um. You know, I know your mate Nathan Elliott 
who, yes, he's won it twice. That was a key spot for him as well. And so I'm sure you had that. Like, were you looking at that when um, Connor Sens went? Did you think, um, you know, because he stopped completely when you sort of came, looked look to have been going through quicksand when you came by him, but then still was able to hang on to second place. What was your, just talk me through that little bit there with Connor. Um, yeah, so until then, um, we've been working relatively well together. I felt like most guys were soft pedaling or cooked anyway, leading into it. Mm. Uh, so just knowing, uh, I guess my skill set in terms of I'm not the most punchy guy, I needed to stop the momentum of the group. So I did a couple of dummy attacks beforehand just to stop the uh, group working together. And then hopefully, wait, 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 someone... pause there. So they were actually dummy attacks, and therefore, do you think that they then underestimated you? that, oh, he's gone again, we'll bring him back? Yeah, well, it just uh, wasn't really with the intent of getting away. I always intended on attacking on that last, like the hill that I ended up mm. getting away. Um, and then I was waiting for someone else to have a dabble so then you could at least look to counter them. Because um, at that point, I didn't think anyone else was going to go. So I was like, well, I need to stop the group working together and then I can look to attack properly. Um, but obviously then Connor went and then so I've dropped back in the group, had a look at everyone. I'm like, I think everyone's actually on their um, last legs. So I went again, no one reacted and I went across to Connor. Um, and then, yeah, seeing Connor was uh, looking to be in a bit of trouble. But I was like, I can't really for, uh, afford to balk for too long because um, they'll be chasing from behind. So then I just went through and still had really good legs to so try to hold you know, 480 or 500 watts up the hill. Um, but I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get PTSD. Connor behind me, I think, was keen to keep going and work together and he'd sort of called out to ease off. And then uh, after that, I was like, all right, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so then really, uh, do a big attack. Um, I was feeling still really fresh at that point. And, um, yeah, I think uh, just like eating, it's been a massive difference, I guess, for the last few seasons for me is, well, not few seasons, last few months actually is just actually eating more on the bike, which they talked about in the World Tour for years, but um, I've never really uh, bugged. Um, bothered with it i mean i can go to a five-hour training ride on one bottle and one cliff bar or something so i'm um far too old school and even though knowing um i guess how inefficient it is and uh it's against all good ideas and it's the opposite of what i tell all my athletes that i coach it's still uh probably a long-term um uh it's body dysmorphia of not wanting to put on weight so you go oh this is an easy way to lose weight not eating but it's very silly so um I've got into racing and uh, like into races recently, like Dirty Warney, um, Nationals, the, the Warney, and actually hit the carbohydrate really hard. So um, it feels like cheating relative to, to what I'm used to. So, um, yeah, I've been going wow. into the back end of these races and doing, can pretty well do the same power in that, like at the last uh, climb. So, yeah, felt like I could do basically the same watts as I could at the start of the race. So uh, I was still feeling really good. What do you have for dinner the night before and what do you have for breakfast of the race? What what would you typically have? Oh, I vary a lot. Um, I was actually pretty – I was, ended up working quite late the night before the race. Um, so I had a really delicious beer and then uh, <laughs> had a oh. – yeah. <laughs> as I, uh, I tell everyone to uh, do uh, as I say, not as I do. But um, I think I just basically had um, rice and – like a big bag of uh, rice and fish the night before the race because I didn't I didn't have fishing work till sort of eight ish and then started looking to pack my stuff for the Warney and yep. for Adelaide and then um, tried to do um, some coaching after that as well. So it certainly wasn't the most uh, ideal prep, but also that probably helped that I wasn't really thinking about I guess going yeah. into the race thinking I was going to be the 
a favorite to win or anything like that. It was more just I was doing the Warnie because I love the Warnie and I'll keep yeah. showing up for the Warnie because it's a great event. Um, so, yeah, I guess this year very low-key, um, going in with a lot less pressure and any real thought into it. So, yeah, I think the Warnie just did my standard. You know, I make my own sourdough, so a few bits yep. of sourdough with uh, peanut butter, honey and banana and that got me through and, yeah, and then in the race just a lot heavier on the uh, carbs I normally would be. I've been using... Um, yeah, like a fortified carb drink called liquid FTP. And that's been um, a real game changer for me. So um, instead of just having electrolyte tablet with no calorie or carb in it, I've, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've got rocket fuel on the, under the belt, which is nice. And Marco, just on that, because I know the people want to know, how many carbs per hour are you having on in, on in in during the race? Are you measuring that out or about, roundabout? Yeah, I was, um, my goal was to do 120. So I was having about 80 grams per bottle. Um, I still didn't probably drink nearly enough. I think I had six biddens for the race, um, which is still a lot more than I normally would do. But uh, probably in a, a perfect world, I'd, you'd have a few more than that just for a hydration point of view. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of aiming just to do – um, one of the biddens that I had and a, a bar per hour before moving on to gels. Um, but then I, yeah, I couldn't actually get to the team car a couple of times. So my old pals at Bridge Lane, um, Riggy was in the car and gave me a bottle there. So then I have no idea what was in their bottle at that point, like just a standard electrolyte drink. So that sort of put the, um, I guess my calculations out a bit. So then towards the end, I don't know if you're watching the stream, I was probably a few times everyone said, you usually you're eating the whole time, but that was more because, uh, yeah, I didn't have my normal sort of 80 grams of carb in the bottle, so I was just still feeling pretty good and able to keep getting gels into me as well, which, uh, yeah, made, made a big difference because then, yeah, you've got so much more energy as you get towards the race, which is common sense, but um, just something I'd neglected for so long, so I'm probably still relatively efficient at burning fats and uh, in the diesel mode and then chucking carbs on top um, now. It's just a, a game changer after my 36 years. Are you leading the National Road Series now after that? Do you get that white and got, green mate, and gold I'm jersey? I'm going to run it at the teardrop next week when I'm back in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> so that's good. I hope you're going to wear white bibs with it. You've oh, got to wear I'd, the matching I'd white bibs. I'd go and borrow some. I reckon I could pull them off. We used to have it. Oh, of course you could. Uh, in, uh, I think 06 uh, with Timmy Decker's team at the time, decked out. Um, we had the white jersey, white bibs. Loved it. it oh, so, good. so good. So, yeah, I might, have to, I might have to get some. But, yeah, I think I'll um, – I am leading the NRS. I haven't led it since 2012, so um, I can't. I won't wow. be on it. So I might run it on uh, Teardrop and Hellride in the interim. Oh, perfect. T t tell me with the with the Warnie because numbers aren't. They sort of seem like they are on a bit of a a down down. A particular with like the A, B, and C grades. Is there what do you think they can do to sort of get those numbers up? Because a Dirty Warnie's quite popular, and it seems like the Dirty Warnie's a bit like. The, how the normal warning used to be. You sort of got the guys who were just doing it as a grand fondo, then you got the guys who are racing, whereas a warning, you, there's no grand fondo component. It's just if you're not 100%, you're going to get dropped early and you won't make time cut, time cut like a lot of guys. What could they do to get more people in well, it? Well, I think a, a bit of a barrier now, of course, is uh, they've got less of the road closure. So it's only maybe I think it's 10 minutes and then you're out of the envelope. Yeah. Um, and that's really tricky because it is on the Great Ocean Road, so you, like, they are hard-pressed to actually get that extended. Um, whereas the Fondos, people are finishing hours behind and it's a, yeah, it's a non-issue. So I think that's one thing that the, especially these gravel races where you're on quieter roads is uh, becoming more and more popular. And I think the one thing I'd say about 
gravel racing versus the normal stuff is I had both Gravelista and the Nationals, I had a, a shocking run of, of punctures where, you know, you fix it and then doesn't quite fix and you end up being on the road for half an hour, outside the road half an hour. But then once you go, all right, I'm not racing anymore, it's still a pretty enjoyable ride. Like it's still really nice, quiet roads. You often run into people and chat. Um, I think the road cycling doesn't really have that feel that if you're off the back of a road race, it's a horrible time. No one enjoys it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that that's a tricky part that it's less of a less incentive now, I think, for people to do road racing. Um, yeah. And a lot of the people that want to do the warning have already, you know, ticked it off and said, yeah, I've done yeah. that once. And if you're not able, like say for yourself, mm. you, you come and do Hellride every week and you're very used to the way a bunch moves at speed. So it's, it's quite comfortable, even though it can be a bit sketchy, it's still relatively comfortable. I think a lot of, um, a lot of people struggle with that big bunch, yeah, super high speed. Whereas, uh, yeah, something like a, a dirty warning, the speeds are never so high. There's uh, more groups forming earlier that you can sort of toodle along with for the day and just enjoy the day out and stop at all the feed stops along the way. So I'm not quite sure how you build the numbers back up. I think just the racing scene in general in Australia is really struggling. Most clubs, like club racing now is dying everywhere except for Melbourne, we've still got such a great following with our, our club crits, um, at least at Glenvale and the uh, the teardrop each week. Um, whereas- mm, I think they could probably maybe, like I think Karen Jones does a, a fantastic job. She's got it run down pat and I think she does a great job. Things I would suggest to her or the Warnable people would be, I reckon you should announce the dates a lot earlier if they can and promote it. They don't really promote it well and they don't announce it well. So you get punters who will target it out a long way. So if they announce the dates earlier, I think with the numbers as well, like all the numbers are the same colour, maybe they should do like A grade blue, NRS white, B grade red or C grade green so you can see who's who in the bunch because you don't really know what's 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 going on and then like at Grafton they've got other categories like you know 40 to 50 and 50 plus and a podium for those guys so you could sort of do that to encourage punters like I'm not so concerned with if I'm outside the 10 minutes I don't have a closed road that's fine because most of the races or nearly all the races I'll do tour of bride all these other races are always only half a lane so that doesn't bother me the goal is to make time cut and you've got more than 10 minutes to make time cut so I do think there's and then podium they used to do a podium a a one two three b one two three and c grade you know third second first now they only do the winner of each grade so there's things like that can and you don't have to give the punter money I'd be happy with a a a black sheep voucher and something from SIS or something like that and get third place and I don't need money I, I, I cherish more the photo on the podium more than anything so I think there is ways around sort of get the the punter involved to you know to get more of them there like in like in the old days because i got a, a message from jeff proven in the morning going wishing me luck and he goes he did his last one at 60. i'm thinking there's no way a, i don't know any 60 year old now that could get around the warning no way it's different it's a lot harder yeah it is interesting as well like the our team dynamic and everything's faster now um, I was saying to someone the other day regarding even the dirty warning or normal warning, it's, uh, it probably should be set up like an Ironman where I guess prize uh, entry money goes towards the prize money of the elite men and women. And then uh, mm-hmm. everyone else, as you said, they're more for participation. But then you can probably attract um, bigger names as well. Um, so if you get bigger names there, you can then use them to publicize and say, well, last year they had Chris Froome, but having the equivalent guys coming out if there's 
five grand or 10 grand or whatever you can put up for prize money, you get some bigger names come in there, more stacked field. And then I think it's more of a incentive for people wanting to come and mix it in a, a peloton with those guys. Whereas, yeah, coming in and uh, jumping in a peloton with just Mark O'Brien, it's not really a, uh, you know, like a, a real incentive for people to go, wow, like you could come on hell ride and do with Hollywood and. Uh... But also, Marco, with that, um, uh, with the dirty warning in that comparison, it is almost possible to do the dirty warning on your own. Um, because yep. they have a transfer back from Warnable um, mm. the following morning. They also, all the feed stops is a stop. So like you can give like, because I, I think, I just think that's also when I did it solo last year as well, like you would know it's, it's um, you, you have to have support there. It's a very, the, a Melbourne to Warnie is a, is, is a big day for your supporters. Um, so I do think it's, it, that, that that could be a bit of a barrier. I don't know. I know in some of the other bigger gravel events you can hire like, or you can pay a fee, maybe it's 10 bucks. Uh, and there could be, um, you, you know, vol- not volunteers, but people that work for Karen Jones that potentially could provide a feed at a certain point. I know that that, you, you know, could prov- um, be challenging in itself, but I, I do think that having to find the support um, for those everyday riders that don't have teams um, could be quite a barrier as well. It is a barrier, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I've talked to a few friends that have had to, I've told them I'll offer to pay a mate some money to come do it because the drive all the way to Warrnambool and then all the way back past the stops at the feeds. But the issue, I guess, in road racing is you don't stop at feed zones, whereas a gravel event or a Fondo, you can do a quick run and everyone stops, grabs their bottles. And you said you can do a gravel event or three peaks on your own. Well, three peaks finish the same spot, so it's different. But um, point to point makes it real tricky trying to get the transfer back. So if they did organise a transfer straight back after the race because a lot of people can't stay over the night and then having someone neutral people at feed zones that can feed people um, maybe make a difference to be able to do it. But I think that's realistic. That's where cycling's heading anyway, that you need to be able to – people can go to event on their own, and I think that's why circuit racing is still the the best form of racing um, in that you can go drive yourself there. You can come around past the start, finish however many times, hopefully get a few supporters there to actually get around. It's easier to control for police. It's easier for people to – yeah, I guess doing their own, come in for the day and then leave again. Um, whereas like a point-to-point race like that, 300K from start to finish, it's uh, yeah, quite tricky logistically if you don't have um, your parents or a partner or a team that can actually do it for you. Definitely. Well, my friend Matt Hull, who did the, did the race, he didn't have anyone to feed him and he went and got a heap of water bottles and printed a picture of himself on the water bottle and gave them out to random people and said, if you see this guy coming, <laughs> give him a water bottle. So this is a true story. He printed out pictures of himself on a water bottle and of him riding and so they knew wow. the kit and him. That's that's what that's, he had to do. The other thing they could do is promote the dinner on the Saturday night and people might stay up there for the night because that dinner I had like my friend uh, Tommy Nankervis and a couple of other friends stayed up there for the dinner and they said they had a great night at the dinner. So that's something that you can incorporate where you, you know, I'd stay up there for the dinner that night. Well, they used to have the, the shipwreck coast the next day. Yes, uh, yeah. For a while. So I think that was actually great. And that's an event you could do A, B, C grade and try to get people to have a race the next day and try to get, um, yeah, I guess even for me this year, it was um, I to, before I committed to the entry, I went through the start list and tried to find someone that I thought would have an extra person driving there to drive my car um, so that mm. I often get a lift back. But if you go into a different location, like when I was going through to Adelaide, I was like, all right, who will have parents there? So uh, um, yeah, my good mate Fergus uh, Browning 
I figured his mum and dad would be there. And then um, his dad, Tony, drove my car there for me, which was lovely. But I think that can be a barrier too if you don't have a lot of buddies that are doing it as well and can organise a lift back together. Um, Yeah, or you don't just know know many people racing. It's really hard to be able to work out the logistics to get home. Yeah, I think you could have like a separate feed zone for those guys that have paid that fee. So the, the, the feed zone could be like another... 200 meters up from where the official feed zone is otherwise it'll just be nightmare if those people have paid a fee trying to find the last anyway. question for i oh, will go to me mine will be short and brief marco now that you've got this big win is it true the rumor that you're going to be your next big thing is you're going to do the bicycle network peaks challenge at falls creek and go for the record break seven hours and be the first person to ever break the record of under seven hours is that true it is true. I'm going to go sub seven Ooh. if the weather plays nice. The only I remember, I was going. Uh, I would have got it a few years ago until I punctured just uh, before the bottom of fall. That's right. And I think I had ride time of about six hours forty-five for the day, and not many stops until that puncture. And uh, to save weight the night before, I decided uh, I'd take my um, multi-tool out in the early days of disc brakes, forgetting I need that yep. to get uh, my wheel out. So I had to wait for yes. the next punch. And uh, my mate James Mortimer oh, wow. on his speed. Uh, sorry, his um, saddlebag to me to. Uh, sort myself out and uh yeah so that wasn't ideal but um if the weather's nice um i'd like to go sub seven because uh probably would happen in the year jay vine and i were duking out if it wasn't rain and filth up there and that just changes the whole dynamic so yeah you give me a sunny day hollywood and uh oh yeah will and and there's there's money on the koms too shrams come on board this year and they got money on the koms so it's going to be I think it's about 90 or 95 percent sold. So there's still a few tickets left. So now I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, up there for the Bicycle Networks Peaks Challenge next month. Marco, yeah, Tills, we'll definitely, no, no, Marco will definitely give you the final word here. But I do need to know from the the other sort of I wouldn't say oh. the other end. I would say yes, the other a few end. places back in the meat oh. of what was going on in the heartland of the oh, race, the Hollywood. How was your race? I saw you, mate. I saw the red and yellow, and yes. I was willing you on for that oh, form. I you. knew that's where you would come unstuck, only because that's where it was ripping. How was I it? know. Look, it, 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 it was the first part of the race was really hard. Like the first KOM for me was hard, and then it was so easy. It was like a, mm. it was like a grand fondo just cruising around. That's why I got to talk to Marco and so many people. And the guys in the bunch were really nice to me. They let me ride wherever I wanted. I was up near the front where I've got no place being, but I just wanted to keep out of trouble. You look what happened to poor Paddy. Drapak broke his wrist. He was caught up in a crash early. So I was really mindful to be keep out of the good guy's way, but just be up the front. I was looking at my wind app on my Garmin to make sure I was on the right side of the road from where the wind was, you know, was coming from and all that. So look, everything was great. And then on that third KOM, I just was a little bit further back than I needed to be. And then it went on and then it's like the hell ride going over Oliver's gaps form. And then all of a sudden there's a, you close one, mm. then there's a gap, and then that's the gap. And we we're trying desperately to get back on, and unfortunately someone ran up my rear end and crashed into me and ripped my sock, which I wasn't happy about, and bent all my derailleur hanging around. $2 from Alibaba. So. $1.20. <laughs> um, um, and then bent my rear derailleur hanger right in so I couldn't use the top half of my cassette because the chain would go on the wheel. Oh, so nice. I just composed myself. And I was in a really good group of about 20 guys and we were trying, trying to get back on because I did, we did get back on two years ago, but we just didn't. And that that was it. And that's why this time I was 17 minutes 
behind Marco. But look, I had a great day. The weather was good. I had I met a lot of great people in the bunch. A lot of the young guys are really good, letting me move around the bunch and go where I needed to be. And there was no instances, no arguments. It was I had a really enjoyable day. Like I spoke to Marco a few times in the bunch, Fergus a few times, like all the good guys I was having chats to. So it was uh, I had an enjoyable day. At the end of the day, I'm just not that good of a bike rider. I guess I. I just try and do the best I can with the limited ability I've got and know how to be a parasite and just sort of suck a wheel. So, but uh, what Marco said before is very true. The hell ride at times is very chaotic, like North Road Long sometimes even. And I just feel so calm in that bunch. I never feel, I never felt worried because you're just used to it by doing these big fast bunch rides with the good guys. They help so much. Because my nephew, Jaden, who did it for the first time, who trained with me, who was beating me up all the climbs in uh, Adelaide and was doing my efforts with me the weekend before after hell riding the dandies, he got distance early because he was just not confident in the bunch. He was scared of what, you know, he saw that crash with Paddy Drapak and he just, and then if you're at, if you're on the back foot and at the back there, once those gaps open up, you just, no matter how good you are, you're not going to be able to keep jumping across. It, you're burning matches, using petrol tickets, and then it's over. So, yeah. Mate, if I can just say, you actually did extremely well. You came in on that mm. next group. Um, you were at the front of, you know, anyone that, you know, the, the only people that sort of came between you and Marco were the NRS guys. So, um, you did, you did bloody well. You should be very proud. Like, and, and to hang in there as long as you did, it was, uh, yeah, you did bloody fantastic. And the way that they ripped it, I know, you know, when you're in that race, Marco, you wouldn't know this, but when, when I have done the men's warnable, you are begging, <laughs> begging the break to go, please yes. go, please leave us. And the fact that the Peloton was still chasing so deep into the race to um, still form the winning break. It yeah. makes that race so difficult. So you did so well, Hollywood. That's I what makes it hard though. You, you, you're at, you've got no control over the day. You're at the mercy of the good guys. You know, yeah. you really are at the mercy. So, but I will say Matilda, there was one girl who did it. I can't remember her name. She didn't finish. But I thought that was strange. Like, you've got your own race. Why wouldn't you do the women's race? Why do the men's and just be pack-filled? Do your own uh, race. Do you know who yeah, it was? I, it sounds like a, the Fondo element to actually to tick off. Yeah, yeah dis- fair enough. It's a great way no, to get I know a, dis- a lot of girls, yeah, that want to do the men's race um, and for that and, and experience it and, and, and do that. But uh, it's a bit disappointing she wasn't able to finish. Probably should have, yeah, been with us if that was the case and had probably a a better time, et cetera, potentially. But, um, yeah, I do know a few people that would like to do the men's race, but I would would recommend maybe coming do the w- women's race. Not that it's second tier, but just, like, do that, feel accomplished with that, and then if you feel like you want to go do the other race and support the women's race and, and then go from there. So, yeah. Especially when you've already won the uh, the women's a couple of times, Teals. Yes. You don't need to worry about it. Exactly. I'm no. surrounded by greatness today. Oh, I'm surrounded no. by greatness. Not my weekend. Teals, talk so, to me yeah. about your race. Talk to me about the women's yeah, race. Yeah, yeah. like we had – I felt like we had the strongest team. Um, obviously, uh, we had a, a – what's happened in the women's peloton at the moment at an NRS level is that there's ARA skip capital – and then and bridge lane and then there's a level below that now so it used to probably be uh, you know back when i first started with the nrs there were a couple of hitters in every team um so it was probably a little bit more even like uh we're now um there's still some really good talented riders 
but a lot of the teams below that are development teams to then go into ARA or Bridge Lane. And then those teams are trying to get into the Conti European mm. World Tour. Um, so really when those two teams get into a break in ARA and Bridge Lane, the day that break's going unless the teams really react. And we, I was full of confidence it would come down to a breakaway. I, I knew it would not be a bunch sprint this year. Um, and it was exciting having Grace Brown there. And I think absolutely full credit to Grace for showing up and like, she doesn't need to do that. Like she's a, you know, she's a multi-time podium world champ of, of at the world championships and for her to turn up and to ride to Warnable and actually really ride the race and not have any ego around it. And, um, she was just, you know, it was great to have that star power in there, but yeah, so our team really, um, race immediately we had a number of attacks go and make it hard from the start uh and it was it was great because we had a little bit of a tailwind as well so it was a a much quicker day it was the quickest we've gone we we averaged well I averaged about 38k an hour or or just below that so I think the winner I think loose averaged 38 and then so yeah honestly as soon as um my teammate Amanda Paulson did an attack from the back and there was a moment of pausing and then Lucy um Stuart went and uh and then uh, one or two others um both from Butterfields and CDF um Cycling Development Foundation once they got 30 seconds uh to a minute when when that went to three I, I I knew the day was absolutely done like in the women's NRS three minutes doesn't come back no matter like unless something goes on um so that was definitely, um, and we had full confidence in Amanda as well. She's, I know she listens to this podcast, Hello, hey, Amanda and Jesse, but um, she's really, really new to cycling and Luce has been doing this since she was a fetus. She's been, even though she's only <laughs> 19, 20 years old, Luce is extremely professional. She's been racing for a long time. She's a great rider and has great race smarts and has come up through the ranks racing. Um, and I think just outsmarted in terms of loose had great legs, but also didn't do too much work um, throughout the day and really saved herself and was by far the, the stronger rider there and the smartest. So, and with Lucy having broken a collarbone in January, missed out on just, you know, the best part of mm. the season, it was, I was thrilled for her to, um, to get that win. Um, but then, yeah, back in the peloton, um, we tried, you know, we're not just gonna, you know, like roll in and yeah. Well, I saw you attack. I saw you attack and I thought, why is Matilda attacking? I thought, oh, Pat mustn't be happy with the composition, the break. He doesn't want it to go to the line. So when I, that's why I thought, when I saw you attacking, I thought, oh, they're yeah, not happy with it. Yeah, a few people were wondering that. Um, we were, um, we had uh, confidence in Amanda, but you've also got to be careful. Um, and I, I, we haven't had a debrief on this uh, yet, but you've got to also be careful with the breaks going out to four minutes. If something happens to Amanda, that is extremely difficult to get back. Mm. Um, so then, you know, you can't like trying to bridge across, but there was also the potential there, Hollywood, that, you know, possibly one of my teammates and Grace Brown gets away or another three of us get away and bridge across. And then we've got more numbers. So mm-hmm. it's always so much more beneficial to be ahead of the race yep. than trying to play catch up. And that's sort of, you know, we spoke about sort of what happened in the men's race. That's where they got a little bit caught out when the, the men were chasing all day where we were trying to be ahead of the race all day. So 
Yeah, we we did um an echelon and and that was going pretty well. Um, we just didn't really have enough wins. Um, and that and that had split the bunch. About twenty girls had had come up, um behind that. But then, yeah, I attacked off the front and then just after that, there was a crash behind. My thoughts uh, with uh, Ella Simpson that came down really heavily and everyone yeah. fell onto her from um, ACA Skip Cow. And then that crash, like I was really concerned about um, my team. Some of my teammates came down and then also a lot of my friends in the peloton. So the race was going to split again. Like we were, we were splitting the race again and Grace Brown was really motivated, but that just put, like that just stopped it. Put like I didn't really pedal after that. Like I, um, we, you know, I wasn't sure whether we should keep racing and keep pushing on. Like we kept pedaling and, you know, Grace said it was about to split anyway. And, you know, that's a part of racing. We need to keep going. Um, but yeah, just really dampened it, the race as well a little bit. And everyone after that was just like, let's just get home, you know? Mm. So yeah. So we come away with third. Um, I think, yeah, huge congratulations to Luce um on that and I think what's really impressive is uh at yeah I think she's 20 this year 1920 and um for her to get around you know 160 kilometers you talk about fueling Marco I think that is um so much of what the peloton's doing now and how fast the peloton's going and the development um you know when we were coming up Marco when I was doing triathlon I used to do 28 kilometer runs on water you know and just it just absolutely cooked me. And, you know, I think it's great for these young athletes to be getting the right advice and to be coming through and obviously able to fuel such a ride to get around at that age is um, not only get around, but feel so strong and win the race. So yeah, she's a great talent and hopefully gets signed at some point as well to a higher team. I think she will. She did a great ride. And um, I was wondering if she left it too late on the hill to launch, but ended up working out perfectly for her. But um yeah, everyone put in a good fight. It was a good TT up Wrangland Parade. But I think um, the fueling is such a big reason why you're seeing so many young riders coming up, 19, 20-year-olds, uh, getting results at a world level because uh, previously you needed 10 years of uh, under-feeding yourself out riding. You could just like, as I say, I'd do now, like diesel mode. You can have one bar for five hours and still be okay at the end. And I think that's what was happening. Guys are getting the world tour. The young guys have all these watts, but you get, you know, 200K in a race. The big, The guys that we used to been starved pretty much could still make big efforts and the young guys would fade away so it's a you needed to wait till you're 29 or 30 years old to start winning those races whereas now um being able to fuel up um young guys are able to actually still maintain that power at the end of a hard race um and now they're instantly getting results straight out of um the junior category so um it's a real game changer and i guess lucy's proof of that as well um at the warning on the weekend Tills. Sorry, Hollywood. I just want to ask Marco if yep. he's put up his coaching fees yet from uh, <laughs> all the kids that he coaches that he towed yes. up on the weekend. He's the Pied Piper. Uh, uh, yeah. Give a, a warning winning guarantee. Yeah. See how uh, we go. Definitely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Tills. Nice to do that, Tills. <laughs> Tills, tell me something. Uh, the warning would have been pretty hard, but surely after the warning was harder when your team car was confronted oh. with two punches and you had to get a tow truck and train right. home. That would have just yes. sucked in the heat. You've, uh, it was a really good test of character. The fact that we were still laughing. So I'm with some of my best friends in Purdy Long, Vera Stewart, Amy Bradley, and I thought yes. I, I could have got a lift with my team and they, there was a lot of logistics. So I said, you know what, it's fine. I'll go with uh, not to throw them on the bus, the total rush car um this will be great we'll go out for dinner get home early to melbourne i've got a really early international flight the next day so 
yeah, we were coming along and uh, felt a bit of a wobble on the car and got a flat back, flat tire on the back of the car. So there's three girls outside the car and uh, changing it on the side of the highway. Very proud of ourselves. Um, you know, most of us grew up in the country, so we were able to change the tire. And then coming along the highway, we get diverted. There's a fire near Colac, so we got diverted uh, down a country road. Feeling a little loose on the wheel again, thinking, oh, no, we haven't put this new tire on well enough. We have a second flat tire on the car. I'm Googling as well, being like, are Uh, we about to get hit by the fire? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. New to me is that RACV or whoever, they they don't change tires. They they don't carry tires. So we, uh, yeah, we're just looking at all options. A lot of things happen in between, but end up getting a tow truck to Colac. I said to my new mate, Harry, I said, mate, what's it going to cost us to get this sorted right now? <laughs> change these tires. And yeah, he was able to change both tires and we got back to Melbourne at 11 What time did you get back? Oh my God. But mate, we also had like, I had two different bikes to pick up. I had wheels oh. to pick up. I had to go get a bike box from the shop. Like Tills. I thought I was bad because I was still in my skin suit at 9 p.m. because I went to (laughs) McDonald's after the race and I went to Hungry Jack's on the way home and I went to McDonald's and Red Rooster and the Servo again. I just was in it. And then when I got home, my bike was dirty and I'm not a word of a lie. At 8.30 at night, I wiped my bike down and cleaned it because I had all the gels and shit on it. And it was like 9 o'clock, I just... Oh, I had a, the so best share of my life. My my, I had a fairly easy oh, ride. Oh no, sorry, I had mate. A fairly <laughs> easy ride at, in the actual warning, but thank God I still had fueled it really well and had the energy to deal with. What a oh, wasted us after the race, but mate, can we just talk about you being in the kit for that long? I walking, know. Walking into uh, you have a yellow and red kit. They must have thought you're an ambassador when you <laughs> walked into know. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, McDonald's Free twice. Mackers. Just finally, what, 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 like you, you were also, you were known as Mr. January. Um, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, I think you and Peter Mullins and um, shout out to Mullins. You are oh, the two, two riders who have done all of the nationals at Ballarat the last 12, 13, 14 years. Yep. Nationals is going to WA. Will we see you in the West? I don't think so. I've never been WA before, but um, if it was a really, really hard circuit and uh, mm. I'm still going really well, I'd consider it. It'd be late last minute again, but um, I think it's only about an Oliver's Hill and uh, I don't need to go all the way to Perth because I can just go on Hellride and have a naughty boy sprint past me on Oliver's. So, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already know. Oh, how I love naughty. A one-minute punchy oh. hill is uh, not my jam, yeah. so I don't think I need to go all that way to get my head kicked in. So, um. I probably won't be there tills, but um, I hope it goes really well. I hope they run a great event, mm. and it's uh, it'll finish about eight pm Victorian time, so it'll go well with a nice glass of red for me. So be good and, watching. And Marco, just with all the um, listeners who either did the warning or want to do the warning, what's your biggest advice for getting through the warning and and even potentially winning it? I, what do you I think? Tell you athletes? Obviously, the the eating drinking is a massive part of it. Um, getting some long rides in so you're used to that sort of volume and not just a toodle cruise along the beach like actually push yourself hard while fueling properly in training rides as well if you're going to have any caffeine do that in training as well like do do a full replica and then i guess each week you can push a bit harder and see if you your body's your legs are still going okay after six hours or six and a half hours if you fuel properly in training so you get a real feel but also as hollywood and i alluded to earlier about 
doing bunches like the hell ride so you're comfortable moving in a fast group because i had a few guys that were incredibly going incredibly well leading in but they'll just got a bit spooked in the bunch as well so they end up getting dropped way earlier than they should have and then um guys that didn't have nearly as many watts as them um are getting through a lot longer so i think being comfortable in a fast moving group but fueling um, and testing that in training as well um they're probably the three keys Mm. Mm. um marco i don't think there was a single melbourne cycling australian nrs whatsapp group that wasn't going off when oh, uh, yeah. when you the were riding, I, I just felt sorry for the people who were behind you that they couldn't see you live <laughs> take the win, Hollywood. It was so exciting oh, to no. watch and just congratulations, it, mate. It's so inspiring that you just kept turning up and you absolutely deserve that win. So, yeah, well done. Yeah, very, very much appreciate it, guys. I loved every minute of it and I'm still enjoying it now. Like uh, seeing highlights, I'm absolutely stoked. So, uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> when are you when are you back from? Um, you're not coming on Hell Ride this Saturday. We're going to Flinders. You're going to come along. <laughs> uh, I'm in Adelaide until uh, Sunday at this stage, so I'm ah, gotcha. yeah, I enjoy, my enjoy. night right now. So I've really got to yep. hit the road. But um, thanks so much, Marco. All right, no, mate. Thank you so much. No worries, guys. Well done. Beautiful. Thanks. That was that was Marco Bryan. Um, when are we back? Tills in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll come back in for – thanks, Marco. We'll come back in, uh, I think, for the opening weekend of the Classics. And uh, until then, a massive thank you to our sponsors in Honan, Ordsmanet, and, of course, Black Sheep Cycling. But how good was that? Oh, such a uh, good week. It was good. Like, honestly, to have yeah. a punter and then a former winner in you who was, <laughs> you know, at the pointy end again and then the winner who's done it 13 times. Like, that was uh, – it really was an enjoyable chat. Like, I was – yeah, that was great. And, yeah, and uh, just gave some free advice yeah. to uh, Karen and uh, the Warnable Race Committee how we can make it better. Free advice, guys. Free no, advice. and also just a reminder, like the second oldest. Like, one day one race day in the world behind the, the Lies Bastiers. Like, yes. It is a monument, you know. It's the next best Love thing. It. So, I'm, yeah, I reckon I've got um, one more left in me, one more. The Lockhart Energy and uh, Power Core, I think oh, it is. Power, the, yeah, Power Core. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Power yeah, Core, they're Energy. also they're big yeah. in um, – they're big in cycling because PowerCore is also United Energy who do the bicycle network around the bay. So, mm. like, they do put a lot of resource into cycling. So, you know, big thanks to those guys, PowerCore, Luckout, and United Energy. So, Fire thank up. you. Surely they can write it off as a tax write-off in terms of carbon credits and giving back to yeah, the... something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right, people. we're rambling. Sorry, Mike, you couldn't be here. Thanks so much, Hollywood. Great to see All you. All right. All right. Thanks so much. All right. I'll speak soon. See ya. The Domestics by Black Sheep Cycling.